you know what? It's really fun to be here. The Celtics still fighting, still fighting. Hero pass inside. Bam out of bio with the exclamation point. He eliminate the Boston Celtics in six games. Brad, what was your message to the team in the locker room afterwards? Well, my message, I think, was simple. Um, I really appreciated the way that they played basketball all year. I really appreciated the way that they competed. I really appreciated the way they blocked out stuff that didn't matter. I really appreciated the way that they inspired with their voice while they were here and before. I appreciated the way that they empowered. And then I appreciated the way they, they played and found joy and stayed together, you know. And we had one, you know, minor um, dust up and pretty good for a calendar year with a group. Here we go. Smart. Looking. Looking for Tatum. Gets it in. Tatum takes it. Makes it! Haywood. Williams for two! Kemba takes it. Makes it! Get the ball! Boston has its largest lead. Round to the rim! Good strip by Wanamaker. Gets it to Green. Finished. He is so athletic. Tatum hit the rim on the miss intentionally. Loose ball. Brown for the tie. Oh! Here at TD. Walker crosses over, gets in the paint, makes a nice move. Yes, and a foul. What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode number 97 of the Banner Banter Podcast, the last one of the 2019-2020 season. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. (sighs) Boy, oh boy. That sucked, huh? That just absolutely sucked. The Boston Celtics season is over. 
and we have no idea when we're going to see them again or when we can really talk about them again. Well, we do know that the NBA draft will be on Wednesday, November 18th, which is, you know, just, what, 10, 12, 11 weeks away, whatever number you like better. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sad. Yeah, I'm a little heartbroken. The, uh, the Celtics playing basketball during the quarantine was fantastic. It was needed. Kept me uh, mentally sane. You know, agree to disagree there. I know I may sound that I'm not mentally sane, which I'm not. But watching them play basketball is a good distraction. And it sucks that we can't have them for another two weeks or so. And and I really love doing this podcast, so on and so forth. But, yeah, the Celtics lose Game 6 to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. 125 to 113, four games to two. I thought the Celtics were going to win in six. That was my prediction. I didn't think they were going to lose in six. So if it's my fault, <laughs> oh boy. But let's just recap the game, and then I have a couple things to talk about, about you know some storylines going into the next offseason. I'm not going to talk about salary cap stuff. I'm not going to be talking about who should be leaving, who should be staying. I'm going to wait for that until the NBA draft rolls around because I'm going to do an NBA draft preview just like I did last year. Uh, last year I did it on the Banner Banter Podcast Instagram page. I got some really good reviews, I thought, from some people that slid into my DMs. So I'm going to do like a whole podcast about it, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes long, nothing crazy. And, uh, you know, that will be good. I think, uh, when am I going to do that if I'm looking at a calendar? When Yeah, so the next episode, which will be episode 88, that will be out on Monday, November 16th. Um, I'll talk about the salary cap, the other story, some of the other storylines going in, and who I want the Celtics to draft and who I don't want the Celtics to draft. And hopefully, maybe this time, I'll be wrong so I can feel better versus being right and feeling terrible like I was this past year. So, yeah. Let's recap Game 6. Let's relive the nightmare. I was at this bar in Austin, Texas for one of my buddy's weddings. I was there, down there for the weekend. I went to the bar. Now I'd, It was an amazing place. I'd go back there in an instant, but it's just going to give me bad nightmares of the Celtics losing Game 6. But So I thought it was interesting that Jalen Brown started out on Duncan Robinson. It was... I feel like that was Brad's like last hope because he was like, well, I can't leave Marcus off. Drogic, Tatum was running around looking like an idiot in game five when Duncan Robinson really started to get going early. So he put Jalen out there and, you know, it seemed to work. But the thing that really threw the Celtics off, like they, it just completely threw him off. Like even thinking about it, I'm, be, I'm being a stuttering Stanley. Like I'm listening to a Joe and Mystical song or something, but Bam Adebayo bringing the ball up after a made basket is the most 2020 thing of all time. It really is. Whether you watched that debacle of a presidential debate last night or if you saw Bam Adebayo literally being the point center in this series in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals with a shot to go to the NBA Finals. But salute to Bam and salute to Spo and everyone else. And absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy that Bam Adebayo is bringing up the basketball, and it worked out for them because Tice didn't know what to do with himself. No one knew what to do. Like, what do you do? You have an absolute athletic freak of nature dribbling the basketball up that you've probably never really seen dribble up the basketball before, maybe in a scrimmage or in practice. So how do you react to that? So. That threw me for a loop, and so I can't even imagine what it threw the Celtics players and their coaches for, like what type of loop they went through. But 
I I really thought the Celtics got a lot of good looks early, but they just weren't falling. They started off one of nine, like game five. So I was like, oh well, if we start off one of nine at game five, then we're gonna, then this is in the bag. But smart shot poorly. Tatum didn't start very well. Jalen I thought was very very good in that first quarter, but it was just the fact that Andre Iguodala outplayed Jason Tatum in the first quarter, which just can't happen. And like I said in episode ninety six, I said the Heat are going to shoot the three ball much better. Much, much better. They had nine more three-pointers. They basically tripled the amount of three-pointers from Game 5 to Game 6. And the Celtics didn't know how to respond to it. And I knew it was going to happen. And that's why I talked about that in Episode 96. The Heat are a pretty good three-point shooting team. If you can shoot 48% in a closeout game to head to the NBA Finals, (laughs) not too shabby. So salute to them. But Kemba picking up two fouls in the first four minutes. Ugh. Not great, because that's going to change his whole mentality. That Marcus Smart step back three to kind of, in the last couple minutes of the first quarter, was, again, mind-boggling. And I I think we all really love what Marcus Smart did in the bubble. I really and truly did. But for Marcus Smart to take seven more shots than Kemba Walker and five more shots than Jalen Brown with the season on the line, and for him to take 14 three-pointers... And Tatum and Brown shot a combined 17 three-pointers. That's not a great look. It's not a great look at all. Because the Celtics took care of the basketball for once. They had 10 turnovers the entire game. Like, Tatum had two. Smart had two. Jalen had two. Gordon had two. And that's expected if those guys are playing 44, 32, 36, 40 minutes. That's expected. You're not going to be perfect, okay, in any way, shape, or form. Especially guys who control the ball that much and have the ball in their hands that much. So you're down six after one, and you're, I don't know how you're feeling. I mean, I'm feeling very unwell, to be honest with you. I'm sick to, like, if I had one more taco, and, like, not taco fall, but if I, I've never had so many tacos in my entire life when I was down in Austin. Holy shit. Just taco, 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 taco. It was, you name it, I, you name the time, the day, I had a taco. So I'm already feeling a little uneasy. And then to start the second quarter, Brad Wanamaker got absolutely shook by Jimmy Butler. Oh, my God. What a jab step by Jimmy Butler. That sent Brad Wanamaker back to the moon. That was ridiculous. And then the worst part about that was Brad Wanamaker came back and fouled him and got an and one. Why? Marcus Smart just hit back-to-back threes to kind of start that second quarter. So you're like, okay, maybe Marcus is finally realizing he can take some shots. And that completely killed all. All the momentum. It really did. For Marcus Smart to hit back-to-back threes and then to run a stupid-ass play like that by Brad Wanamaker, and we all know I'm a Brad Wanamaker fan, that wasn't a great look for him. Because if Jimmy Butler just got a layup there, you just get the ball back and you move on. But now the game stops. Everyone has to think. The Celtics are probably overthinking because they're so soft. And that was that. But after that, the Celtics started attacking the rim very well. Tatum, but... Here's the thing. <laughs> Even though I said the Celtics started attacking the rim well, Jason Tatum couldn't hit a layup. Couldn't hit a f- layup for the life of him, which is so annoying. I mean, and the other thing that was really annoying during this whole process, and I'm sorry if I'm all over the place because I feel like it's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now, this whole game, because I really tried to forget about it. But Kemba playing too hard on defense is kind of annoying. Because I feel like that's where he picks up a lot of fouls. I appreciate Kemba's effort, his heart, his love for the game. 
But for him to literally get, like, so close to the person who has the ball. Like, for example, if Jimmy Butler's on him, maybe give Jimmy Butler two inches. Maybe. And you know what? If he beats you, so be it. But if you're right up on him, touching him the entire time, the refs are going to call a whistle. And that's how he got literally three fouls so early in this game. Because sometimes when you play so close to someone, even when they don't have the ball, you could have a backdoor cut, which worked out for Jimmy Butler a time or two when Kemba Walker was guarding him. That's why Marcus Smart knows he knows when to be up on someone and knows when not to. And I, I've never seen Kemba play defense like this. Again, it's not like I watched every single game he played at UConn or every single game in Charlotte. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say Kemba tried it much harder playing defense here in Boston with Marcus Smart next to him than he did with Devontae Graham next to him down in Charlotte. I'm just going to go on a limb and say that. And when that's fine. But the thing that really pissed me off, and I, the, the second I knew that we had no shot of winning this basketball game, was when Jason Tatum did not go up to try and block Bam Adebayo off a of pick and roll. That is terrible and soft. Does Jason Tatum forget that he literally got stuffed at the end of game one in double overtime? Does he not remember that? Or was it to force double overtime? I don't even want to think about that play. But Bam Adebayo stuffed him. And all Jason Tatum had to do was go up and hit him. I'm not saying viciously, with intent, none of that. Just go up and contest the dunk. Because now, if Bam Adebayo sees that, he may have second thoughts about going up if he sees Jason Tatum. Because I think we can all agree, Jason Tatum had second thoughts after game two of attacking Bam Adebayo when he absolutely stuffed him. And at that moment, I knew the game was lost. I looked at my buddy Jay, and I said, it's over. Because that is soft. Your season is on the line, and you don't even try up, try to go up and block a shot. That's terrible. And that is why this team can't even close out games. They're soft. I don't get it. And there's rumors going out that Kyrie and Jason Tatum are friends and are friends still, and they're trying to pollute them and all this stuff. If Jason Tatum didn't go up and block that shot because Kyrie Irving Irving told him on the phone not to, then you're all stupid. Seriously, stop. They're friends. Sure, Kyrie's a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but like Jason Tatum not going up for a block isn't the re- and him being friends with Kyrie, that doesn't make any sense. So so stop with the nonsense. Seriously. I, I don't want Tatum to be friends with Kyrie, but it's his choice. It's his life. The kid averaged 26, 10, and 5 in the playoffs with Kyrie being his friend. I think that's okay. But those type of plays aren't on Kyrie Irving. They aren't on Brad Stevens. They are not on Danny Ainge. That is all on Jason Tatum. Absolutely unbelievable. What was also unbelievable is the ref hate towards Daniel Tice. The refs hate Daniel Tice. He picked up his third with about four to go. The Celtics are down five. And right after that, Crowder got an easy layup. And then again, Kevin was trying too hard during that. And that's the reason why Crowder got that layup. But the Heat, the entire second quarter, even though the Celtics outscored them by four and cut the lead down to two for halftime, the Heat had good balance scoring from everyone, whether it was Crowder, Duncan, Tyler, Jimmy, Dragic. You name it. They just had in, in Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala was ridiculous. And we'll talk about that in a second. Like, Holy mother of God. But once Tatum finally got going at the end of that second quarter, I think it was because of the Time Lord. And the Time Lord came in, and he threw off the Heat shot making, and that's when the Celtics went on a little bit of a run. And I, listen, 
Time Lord isn't there yet. I pray he makes that leap next year because the Celtics need a big man, especially off the bench. Daniel Tice, I think, is a perfectly fine player. I hope Daniel Tice returns. I think he works well with this team. But again, when you see guys like Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, Joel Embiid, um, maybe even Giannis, Carl Anthony Towns, whatever the case may be, when it comes to big guys, he's not the guy. He's not. Now, can Time Lord be? I don't know. Time Lord has flashes. I need the Time Lord to be like John Collins. John Collins, I've said it a million times before, good defender, rebounds living crap out of the ball, and scores. That's what we need. Daniel Tice can score. Daniel Tice, I think, is a pretty good defender. Like, not great, but I think he's a pretty good defender. And then finally, he, he needs to box out and rebound. Daniel Tice can't really do that that well. And especially with the amount of foul troubles that he gets in. He, the, it's so frustrating. But the thing that I loved about Jason Tatum this entire game, yes, Jason Tatum dropped 24 on 9 of 26 shooting. Do I wish that was like 30 plus? Absolutely. Who the hell wouldn't? Shooting only 30% from three and only going to the free throw line four times ain't going to cut it. But I think one thing that we can all kind of agree on throughout the bubble, I thought Jason Tatum's decision-making and getting his teammates involved were vital and very important to this team's success. Jason Tatum getting 11 assists is huge. Jalen Brown ain't doing that. Kemba might do that. We all know Marcus Smart can do it. We know Gordon Hayward can do it. But to have that extra, for Tatum to realize what's going on in the game and seeing open teammates around him, I think is going to be great for year four for him. I really do. So as much negativity as I want to throw towards Tatum for that soft-ass play against Bam Adebayo and the fact that the Celtics lost and I'm depressed because of it, Jason Tatum getting 11 assists, I feel like, is not getting appreciated enough as it should because that is huge growth for him. And if he can be a guy that can give us 28, 10, 5, or maybe 6 a night, that's going to be phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal because that's what we need. Now, I'm not asking him to be LeBron James getting triple-doubles every night. But if Jason Tatum can walk in, go to the West Coast, play the Clippers, drop 28 points, get 12 rebounds, and give us six assists, that's superstar. That's all NBA. And that's why he was third team all NBA. And that's what this team needs. But the icing on the cake for this, because even though I did say, hey, Jay, after Tatum didn't go up for that, we're going to lose, I obviously had a little hope, and hopefully it was a reverse jinx. But that turnover by Gordon Hayward at the end of the first half, that was terrible. That was brutal. Awful. So, third quarter. What's going to happen? Is it going to be the 76ers' third quarter? Is it going to be the Raptors' third quarter? Or is it going to be a little bit of both? They came out aggressive, but guess what? So didn't Gorgon Dragic. He made so many lucky, bullshit, bounce shots. But people call it the shooter's bounce, shooter's touch bounce, whatever the case may be. But... The amount of times a ball hits the rim for him and bounces up and down and up and, and then goes in is infuriating. But Tice and Kemba having four fouls with nine minutes to go is crazy to me. And this is where I understand why people are a little frustrated with Brad Stevens. And I'm going to go on a rant later about it. But Brad Stevens taking Kemba out right away. Fine, I get that. You're going to need Kemba for the fourth. But why he kept Tice in and didn't put either Grant Williams or the Time Lord in, even, even if it's for two minutes, to me is ridiculous. I will say this. Daniel Tice did a great job 
getting the ball in the middle of the zone. He did a shot fake one time or a couple times because they bit, and that was thanks to game five because he was actually hitting some jumpers. He scored, like, what, 11 points in the second half. He bit, and he had a nice pass to Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward missed the laps. But the fact that the time where Grant Williams didn't come in for energy purposes when Daniel Tice already has four fouls and you know he's going to play Bam Adebayo differently and Bam Adebayo is absolutely destroying you because he finished with, what, 32 points and was 11 or 15 or 11 and 16 from the field or something, that's crazy to me. So, But the thing that really pissed me off about Daniel Tice, and I'm not saying the Time Lord would have done a better job. I'm definitely not saying Grant Williams would have done a better job. But they left Andre Iguodala open again. Andre Iguodala was 4-4 four, four from 3, 5-5 five of five from the field overall. He finished with 15 points. Why, after he made, what, two back-to-back threes in the first half? Maybe it was three. I don't know. I never want to see it again. He shot 29% from three in the regular season, 29%. So for those folks at home that don't know how to do math, that means he took 103-point shots. He missed 71 of them. And only 29 went in. And then in the playoffs, so far, against what? The Bucks and who else did they play? The Pacers? Yeah. He shot 25% from three. 25. So he hits a couple in a row. So shouldn't A, whether it's the coach, B, the players, realize, holy shit, let's not leave Andre Iguodala open because today he's feeling it. Today he's on another level. Let's not leave him open. But nope, Daniel Tice just let him be, hit another three, puts the heat up five. Then Brad made another iffy call. Your season on the line. He puts in Kemba, Cantor, Grant, Brad Wanamaker, and Gordon Hayward out on the floor. Don't think they played a lot. Think that's a hell of a risk. The Heat build their lead up a little bit. Thankfully, the Celtics go on a 10-4 run to end the third quarter, and you're only down two. So you're like, okay, only down two. Maybe things can change for us. Maybe we can close the fourth quarter. Probably not, but maybe we can. So then Jalen Brown steals the ball to start the fourth. Jimmy Butler goes up, fouls him. He, I don't think what Jimmy Butler did was on purpose in any way, shape, or form. I, I really don't. But Jalen Brown going up for that and Jimmy Butler hitting his feet and the way that Jalen Brown landed was not good. And the Celtics' defense forced a lot of turnovers that turned into a lot of layups, which was nice to see. It really and truly was. I think for the first time in this entire series, the Celtics had less turnovers than the Heat, which is what I've been begging for since this, since it started. So the fact that that foul wasn't called, Jalen was hurt, might have taken the wind out of the, out of the sails for the Celtics. But I loved how the Celtics held Jimmy Butler to zero points until the eight-minute mark. But then I hated it. Because the Celtics are up six. Jimmy Butler goes, or up eight, I believe. Jimmy Butler goes to the line to shoot two. Now the Celtics are up six with eight minutes to go. And then it was bye-bye to everyone. It was see you later. Because Marcus Smart took this shot that absolutely might be one of my least favorite Marcus Smart shots in a really long time. And I didn't like a majority of Marcus Smart shots in his first couple years in the league. But he had a whole possession where no one else touched the ball. Not one single person. Not Brad, not Jason, not Cantor, not Grant, not Romeo, not Taco, not Vincent Play, Like Brown, Kemba, Hayward, Dice, 
I just said Thice. Thice, whatever the case may be. No one touched the ball but him. And then he shot it. And guess what happened right after? Tyler Hero goes on his own 5-0 run. What are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Seriously. Like, again, I know I've said it before. I need Marcus Smart's confidence in my life. I really do. I would love it. Holy crap would I love it. I would... I'd give an arm and a leg for that type of confidence. But Marcus Smart just needs to read the fucking room sometimes and realize that, like, yes, you've shot the ball a lot better this year. Yes, you are the heart and soul of the team. Yes, you are the defensive anchor. Notice that I said the defensive anchor, not the offensive anchor. You should be the fourth in shots every single game. And to be honest with you, if you're fifth, if Gordon Hayward was healthy, I'm even happier. There is no way you should be taking more shots than Kemba Walker and Jason. T- um, I'm sorry, Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown. None. That should never happen, ever. I don't care if Marcus Smart is taking went ten of ten to start the game. It should stop there until Kemba and Jalen catch up. <clears throat> Speaking of catch up, catch up is the best condiment in the world. I don't know why I just said that. All right, so the Celtics start giving up the lead, but then Tatum hits a big three. And then Daniel Tice flies out on a Bam out of bio jumper, which I will never understand. The way that the NBA works now, you cannot jump towards the shooter. So don't jump towards Bam out of bio. Go to the side. Just jump straight up in the air. Just distract him. I feel like Bam out of bio, he's very good in the paint. He's very good at the free throw line when no one's really distracting him. So just do something that makes him feel a little bit uncomfortable. And then once he hit that shot, Spo said, you know what? Let's get going. And then he brought the ball up again. And the Celtics literally had no idea what to do. None. And then Grant Williams came in with five minutes to go. The game, uh, the game's tied or the Celtics are down two, something like that. And you're like, okay, Grant Williams is going to come in with the season on the line. This is going to make or break a season. That's a lot to put on a rookie. It really and truly is. But Brad said, screw it. I'm going to do it. And the Heat go on a 28-6 to run, and the Celtics lose, and their season is over. The last three minutes of that Celtics game, I don't want to say they quit. Because I think that's a really bad word to use towards professional athletes because I really do think that the, more of them care than what we think we know. But the lack of effort, yeah, that wasn't there. And I was kind of disappointed. So as disappointed as I am, I will say this. He's not listening. He probably never has. But Chumsford High, that's where I went to high school. That's where I watched a young man by the name of Danny Craig play a lot of basketball. He is the assistant head coach. To Eric Spolstra for the Miami Heat. So I do have to say congratulations to Danny Craig. I've known Danny Craig, or, you know, he taught me in summer basketball camps when he was playing varsity hoops and I was in middle school. And always a very nice person to me, always a very nice person to my family. So I do want to say congratulations to Eric Spolstra and Danny Craig and the Miami Heat. They're a very good team. Eric Spolstra is a great coach. And, you know, please beat the Lakers. Just absolutely put them. Like, I'm recording this before Game 1 starts of the NBA Finals. Um, so I don't know what happened in Game 1 because I am releasing this the day after. But please beat, the Maya, uh, please beat the Los Angeles Lakers. And not just because of LeBron. I hate the Los Angeles Lakers more than anything in the world. I really do. I hate it. Whether LeBron, pre-LeBron, post-LeBron, I will always hate the Los Angeles Lakers. So I really and truly hope 2020 doesn't get ruined even more with the Los Angeles Lakers title. So... Go Miami Heat, go Danny, go Danny Craig, make it happen. Do you? Am I going to give you a prediction on the NBA Finals? No, because I'm not giving that much energy to the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, so now that the season's over, you're like, all right, what's next? You log on to the Twitter machine, 
And then people are saying, fire Brad Stevens. <sighs> sure. Did Brad Stevens make some bad decisions? He did. I'll stand by that. He made some piss poor decisions during these playoffs. He did. But if Brad Stevens tells the players to push the basketball so the Miami Heat or the Toronto Raptors can't set up their zone defense and the players don't push the ball up, whose fault is that? Is that Brad's or the players? If you want to say, well, it's, it's Brad's because the players have, you know, zoned him out and they're not listening to him. Okay, fine. But where has there been any complaints about Brad Stevens as a coach from any of the players outside of Kyrie Irving? Seriously, where? There, you, you figure with all the stuff going on in the world and with the, what was it, after game two or game three or wherever the hell it was when people were throwing chairs at each other, the coaching wasn't brought up. It was individual players calling out individual players. It had nothing to do with the coach. So if Brad says run and they walk, whose fault is that? If Brad says push it and they don't, whose fault is that? Now, again, this is going to sound like I'm literally Brad Stevens' biggest supporter. And I might be. I think Brad Stevens is a top five or six coach in the league. I really and truly do. But if you are going to replace Brad Stevens and you do not agree with me, I agree with you that Brad made some piss poor decisions. Do I agree that they are fireable offenses? No, I do not. Do I feel like Brad Stevens' seat should be heating up a bit and things maybe need to change on how he does things with the game? Absolutely. Absolutely. But do I also think that if Danny Ainge brought a veteran during the trade deadline off this bench so we wouldn't have to worry about Gordon Hayward getting hurt and maybe not being 100% and maybe rushing it and missing the birth of his child and so on and so forth? Absolutely. Do I also think that guys' egos need to drop like Marcus Smarts? Absolutely. I think this whole team needs to come back to earth. I felt like they finally came back to earth, I would say in January. I felt like they got over the Kyrie thing. They got over the Al Horford thing. They were finally playing like the teams that, that, the teams that were playing before all that nonsense happened over the last couple of years. And then their egos got big. And I don't know if that's because they're friends with Kyrie Irving or what. And to be honest with you, I promise you it's not. But this team needs to come back to earth. And does it need to start with the coach? Maybe. But, I don't know, players throwing chairs at each other and calling each other out, to me, that's egos. That's just me personally. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But for those people that want to fire Brad Stevens, who's going to replace Brad Stevens? Like, seriously, stop and think about it before you just say, fire Brad Stevens. Who's going to replace him? You want Brent Brown? (laughs) We Brett Brown? No. I don't want Brett Brown. Do you want Brett Brown? Uh, anyone? No? Okay. Ty Lu. What has Ty Lu done without LeBron James? Seriously. Oh, he's just been an assistant coach for Doc Rivers. That's it. But seriously, if you think that Ty Lu won that championship when they were down 3-1 to one or whatever the case may be, I don't even know if he was a coach when they were down 3-1. But I know he has a ring with them as a coach. If you honestly think... That Ty Lue is that good of a coach. But, like, I don't... Then why isn't he coaching the Lakers? Frank Vogel is coaching the Lakers. LeBron okayed that. Why didn't LeBron okay Ty Lue if Ty Lue is such a great coach? Now, we have Jeff Van Gundy. He's rumored to go to the Clippers or the Rockets. Or will he even leave ESPN? Do you want him to come? What do you know about him? Minus the fact that... He tells terrible dad jokes on the ESPN broadcast. Sure. Do you think you can bring or he can bring his 
New York Knicks in the mid-90s style of basketball back to the Boston Celtics? I don't know. I don't think this team has what it takes to do that. What about Mark Jackson? Will he leave ESPN too? Do you like his style? Because to be honest with you, his success became from Steph Curry. And I don't see any Steph Currys on this team. And if you want to say Jason Tatum is better at this age than Steph Curry was, sure, fine. But Steph Curry was also a four-year player at Davidson, wasn't he? Didn't he not join the league for a few years? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong with that. But I feel like, actually, you know what? I'm going to look that up right now. How long did Steph Curry play at Davidson? Let's see. I guarantee you it was four years. I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was four years. Yeah, he played 2006 to 2009. So he didn't get drafted until his senior year. So Steph Curry's just getting into the league. Mark Jackson did a fine job with that team. I just don't see how Mark Jackson's style can fit with this team. But if you want to say that it can, okay, fine. Fine, I'll give you that. So Brett Brown, so so far we have Brett Brown, LOL, Ty Lue, what has he done without LeBron? I don't see a LeBron James on this team. Do you? I don't see a Kyrie Irving on this team. Do you? Like, no? Okay, great. Jeff Gundy, or Jeff Van Gundy, if he's going to the, if he's rumored to go to the Clippers or the Rockets, you know that that's big money. And I don't think the Celtics are willing to be spending big money with someone that they have already technically extended their contract for. Mark Jackson. Everyone wants Mark Jackson to be their coach. He was a coach for a couple of years. He was a fine coach. I have no complaints about him. So if you want to bring him in over Brad Stevens, okay, I guess. Then you have Nate McMillan. He can't even coach the Pacers. Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon. That's a hell of a lot of talent, and they sucked. Like, sure, they got the fifth seed, but, like, are we going to be happy in the city of Boston with the fifth seed? I don't think so, so I don't want him. What about Doc Rivers? Doc Rivers was rumored today to already be meeting with the Philadelphia 76ers. Do you want to get rid of Doc Rivers? I mean, uh, Brad Stevens, so Doc Rivers can come back in because the only reason why Doc left was because he didn't want to do a rebuild. And now that the Celtics aren't in rebuild mode, maybe Doc will want to come back. Is, is, is that what you guys want? And what about Chauncey Billups or Sam Cassell? Those are the two new hot and heavy rumored guys coming into the NBA. Yeah, let's bring in someone who has never coached before. Mm, that sounds good. At least Brad Stevens coached in college. Yes, Sam Cassell has been an assistant coach since Vietnam in the NBA. Sam Cassell is a very good player. And yes, Chauncey Billups is a Hall of Famer, NBA champion. But let me ask you a question. Let's talk about Chauncey Billups' system. Because the with five minutes and 40 seconds to go, in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics were down one point. And then this is what happened on multiple straight possessions. You ready? Kemba missed a three. Tatum turnover. Kemba missed a three. Tatum missed a three. Smart made a three. Tatum missed a uh, technical foul free throw. Jalen missed a three. Marcus Smart missed the layup. Kemba got a turnover. Is all that Kemba missing a shot? Tatum missing a shot? Kemba missing a shot? Tatum missing a shot? Marcus Smart making a shot? Tatum missing a free throw, Jalen missing a shot, Marcus Smart missing a layup, and Kemba Walker turning the ball over? You think Chauncey Billups' system is going to fix that? Let's stop and think here for like one second and realize that sometimes it's on the players. Jason Tatum shooting 9 of 26, I mean, 
Sure, we could blame on Brad Stevens. Maybe he didn't get him the best shot. But as far as I know, I saw Tatum miss a layup. I saw Tatum airball a three. Tatum missed a technical foul free throw. How is that on Brad Stevens? Should he have not picked Jason Tatum to shoot the free throw? And maybe he should have put Kemba at the line? Shut the fuck up. Like, come on. And here's the other thing. Do you trust Danny finding a new guy? Because he did find a new guy in Brad Stevens. And now you want him gone. So do you want Danny to find a new guy and have these guys adjust? And then seven years will go, well, who's better? Was it Brad or this other guy that Danny brought in? Like, come on. Brad Stevens has been here for seven years. Four conference finals. Ask anyone. He's a top 10 coach in the NBA. Quinn Snyder has also been in the NBA for seven years. He is also a very, very good coach. He has never made it out of the second round. Eric Spolstra, great coach. Unreal coach. Probably one of the most underrated coaches in the NBA. Okay? He has three rings. Okay? One as as an an assistant coach and two as a head coach when LeBron came down with D. Wade and Chris Bosh. Okay? Spo, over the last four years has 13 playoff wins, okay? 13. Brad Stevens has 29. And Brad has more turnover than him. Think about the first, like, three or four years with Brad Stevens. It was new guy on a Monday, another new guy on a Tuesday, 17 new guys on a Wednesday, another new guy on a Thursday. Don't forget Friday. We have six more new guys coming in. And he still has 29 playoff wins in four years. That's an average of seven. Now, would we like 16? No shit, Sherlock. Of course we do. The team is still young. I Part of me doesn't like that excuse because we have, you know, Jalen's been in three conference finals. Tatum, or Jalen's now been in, yeah, three conference finals. Tatum's now been in two conference finals. We can go on and on. So they have the experience. And does Brad Stevens need to change the makeup, everything that's going on? Yes. Does he need to stop being a little like, you know, hey, kids, why don't you come on over and we'll have some hummus? Like, yes. He needs to change all that, and I have faith that he will. Now, like I said earlier, I really and truly think Brad's seat should be heating up a little bit. You know, maybe volume one on your car, you know, when you're in your car, it's the winter, you got four or five options on how warm you want your your seat to be. He should just press the button at level one. It should be feeling, you know, like this will do. So he should have a little fire in his ass. But again, last year, Not this past season, but the year before was the first season that Brad had more than eight or nine players from the same roster from the previous year. Think about that. Last year, his sixth year coaching, he finally had a roster in back-to-back years with more than eight or nine players. So when you look at the lineup now, Tatum's coming back. Daniel Tice should be coming back. Kemba's coming back. Marcus is coming back. Jalen's coming back. Grant Williams is coming back. Robert Williams is coming back. That's eight players right there. Then you also have, you you have to decide about Javante and Shemi. You have Romeo Linkford coming back, and you also have three draft picks. Or you could trade, Danny Ainge could trade those, and again, we're going to talk about that soon. So if you want to fire Brad Stevens, I understand 2020's been tough, but like you need to relax. He's... He needs to do better. I will agree with you 1,000%. He needs to. But that doesn't mean just because the players and the coach both failed doesn't mean you have to get rid of one of them and you think it's going to work. Now, next year, if they only make it past the second round, let's go back to this conversation. I'm not saying Brad Stevens should be the Celtics coach forever and ever and ever. All I'm saying is 
No one expected this team to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, literally going into the bubble, no one expected this team to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. It was going to be the Raptors and the Bucks. We all agreed, right? And they got there. And yes, they failed. And yes, it was a disappointment. But to say it was so much of a disappointment, you have to fire a coach who has 29 playoff wins in four years, I think we're in pretty good hands. Unless you want to be the Philadelphia 76ers, who had Brett Brown. Beggars can't be choosers. Bitch to St. Chipotle. And finally, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, 22 years old. Averaged 26, 10, and 5 in the playoffs. Third team All-NBA. That's amazing. But the question is, Jason Tatum has an option this summer to sign a max extension for five or six seasons. I forget the actual numbers. For $158 million. Because he made third team All-NBA, his contract goes from 25% of the salary cap that the Celtics have to 28%. Now, obviously, with everything that's been going on in the past year, the salary cap could be lower, could be lower money, which then means the following season, if Tatum wants to take the risk, he would still be a restricted free agent, so the Celtics could match any other team that threw him money. But he could make, I think it's like 160 or $161 million if, if, if he makes third-team All-NBA again. So, Jason Tatum, I know you ain't listening, but if you are, I followed you at Duke. I followed you three years in. For the love of God, please sign with us. You and Jalen can do special, 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 special things together. Please resign. So that's it. Episode 97 of the Banner Branch Podcast. The next episode will be out on Monday, November 16th, right before the NBA draft. I'm going to give you an NBA draft preview on who I think the Celtics should take or trade for because they have three first-round picks. We don't have that much roster space for another three first-round picks. We don't, unless we're going to get rid of Cantor, Shemi, Javante Green, and some might agree. And hopefully there's a Brandon Cook out there. uh, Brandon Cook, get out of football season, Timmy. A Brandon Clark out there and not a Romeo Langford for the Boston Celtics. We'll also talk about the salary cap issues and much more. And to end this, I just want to thank all of you for listening. I love the Boston Celtics more than anything in the world outside of my family. The only reason why I love the Boston Celtics is because I learned it from my dad. I love doing this podcast. I love that you listen. I love the fact that you literally consider listening to me for 30 minutes talk about something that I'm passionate about when there's so much better and other options out there. Please be well. Please be safe. Please vote. A lot on the line in these next couple weeks. Black Lives Matter. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Celtics pride. I love you, Boston Celtics. I love my listeners, even though half of you are probably just people that I know that I pay to listen. But thank you again for listening this season. It's literally been a full calendar season of the Banner Banter Podcast. I think I started right before Media Day, and Media Day last year was September 29th. It is now October 1st. (laughs) Pretty crazy. So it's been fun. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.